All right. Well, before you get too comfortable, let's stand back up to our feet as we read the Word of God this morning. We're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3 and just read a couple of verses to verse 7. You can follow along on your paper Bible, on the app, on the screens, online. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Awesome. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too if we are afflicted it is for your comfort and salvation and if we are comforted it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray for good ground this morning. Pray you anoint me to preach. Pray that our minds are renewed. Transform us today. By the power of your word, I thank you, God, that you don't keep us from difficulty, but God, you you have plans to comfort us in our life, every season, every affliction. I thank you for that. Thank you that you weave together affliction and comfort and salvation. We thank you today in Christ's name. Everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated. The message title this morning, for those who are note takers, is is going to be called Full in Affliction. Full in Affliction. Having our cups full while we are in affliction. As we read through 2 Corinthians, something that the Apostle Paul is doing with his words, and I I hope I'm able to say this the way he's writing it, is... You're seeing two words appear over and over in repetition as Paul is writing this letter. The first word is affliction, and if you combine it with suffering, Paul says that word seven times in these verses, affliction. And then, if you pay attention, there's another word that he uses ten times, comfort. And he's, he's doing this thing, he's weaving affliction and comfort, affliction and comfort. He says affliction seven times and comfort ten times. And he's putting two words together that don't normally go together, right? Affliction and comfort. Those two words aren't like peanut butter and jelly. You know what I'm saying? Those two words are more like marshmallows and razor blades. Comfort and affliction. They don't sound like they go together. However, Paul is writing and emphasizing, and I'm trying to communicate today, my main job is that comfort and affliction go together. And that we can live our lives full during difficulty. Amen? 
I got a difficult task today. I get to talk about difficulty and how to stay, keep our cups full, but not just full, filled to overflowing in every chapter of life, even the chapters where we find ourselves in affliction. To define affliction, we're going to say that it is a state of pain, distress, or grief, or misery. Aren't you glad you came today? (laughs) Affliction defined is a state of pain, distress, or grief, or misery. You know, I've got a lot of learning to do because I'm only 35. Someone online just said, amen. They typed it right in the chat. <laughs> but I do know, I do know that you will, we walk through affliction in life. And we, we're either going through it or we're not going through it or we just got out of it or we're getting ready to go into it. It's just, it's like peanut butter and jelly. The apostle Paul was not a stranger to affliction. If you keep reading through this 2 Corinthians, you'll find out in just a few verses that he talks about his experience in Asia where he's despairing of life itself. He thought he had the death penalty. And then if you read through 2 Corinthians and you get all the way to chapter 11, let's read this together. Starting in verse 23, he says, and this is later on in Corinthians, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Am I talking... I am talking like a madman. For with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. That's 195 lashes for those who are counting. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And he's not talking about marijuana. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. He's not a stranger to it. And yet he's emphasizing affliction and comfort. He was the, he was the apostle along with the other apostles that were able to figure out how to go through affliction full and overflowing. How to receive comfort with affliction. They were experts at establishing that comfort in their life. So my first job this morning is hopefully to get us to all arrive at an, at an exception or an acceptance, that's the word I was looking for, at an acceptance. We have to come to an acceptance of something, and that is that affliction is a part of the Christian life. I think where we get into trouble is we try to connect comfort with an easy life. And oftentimes we think that the... Like when we pray to the God of comfort, we're actually praying for him to make our circumstances more comfortable. And a comfortable life is not one free of affliction. And so we've got to come to an acceptance with the fact that God allows affliction. In his goodness and in his mercy and in his perfect plan for your life, he allows affliction. 
And so Paul is communicating to the Corinthians, listen, I'm talking like a madman here. I, I don't think that anyone has experienced affliction like I have, but I'm telling you right now, it is for, affli- it is for comfort that I'm afflicted. I'm afflicted and then comfort has come. After this affliction, comfort came again and again and again. And not only did comfort come for me, it overflowed to you. And it eventually was for your salvation. I want to, I want to say today that if you're going through affliction without comfort, you're missing out on half of the equation. If you find yourself in affliction without comfort, you're shortchanging yourself. You only have half of it. The, the picture that Paul is trying to weave here is you're missing a thread. You're missing the comfort. And I think we miss out on comfort because we think comfort is avoiding affliction. Can we just be honest? We pray for our circumstances to get better. God, change my circumstances. And we connect godly comfort to comfortable lives. But he does not keep us from affliction. He allows it. And his promise to us today is not to make your life comfortable, but to make you comfortable. This morning is about comfort for your soul, not for your life. And if you're walking through affliction, I I hope that you leave encouraged today that the God of comfort is here and he can weave something into your life that you never thought possible. So, If we are going to take advantage of this comfort, I want to talk about three things today. Number one, you've got to remember the source of the comfort. Remembering the source of your comfort. I was reading a commentary this week, and fortunately, did you know that God claims to have the monopoly on all comfort? There's only two places in the whole Bible where it says that he is the God of all. It's comfort and grace. He is the God of all comfort and all grace. He owns the monopoly on legitimate comfort and legitimate grace. That's pretty cool. So in verse 3, let's put that up on the screen. Paul starts the conversation here. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Someone say source. I think if you get, I think the source determines the quality. And there's a lot of counterfeit comfort in the world. But if you're willing to go to the correct source, you'll have the, the, the quality of comfort that Paul is describing here. The source is, it's a father thing. I don't think Paul accidentally said that God was our father twice in the start of this. I think it's a fatherhood thing. I think that fathers know how to comfort their children. And I don't think there's anything better sometimes than the comfort of a father. I'm not getting a lot of amens. (laughs) 
But I think I know why something, something that has to do with it is in this culture today, um, a lot of times we see that fatherhood is just not there. It's absent. It's absent a lot of the time. And uh, there, there, there seems to be quite a, quite a challenge with fatherlessness in our society. And um, I'm not going to go off into a huge thing here, but I, I do think it's a I do think it's a root of a lot of the things that we see wrong. And um, there's something about the comfort of a father that, that has the power to transform the life of a child. And uh, it's just so important for, for, the father, for, that, for that father relationship to be there. And so Paul starts off by saying, listen, the source is a father thing. And I just wanted to take just a quick second this morning and just say, all my men in the room, you're a good dad. I don't think, I don't think you heard what I said. You're a good dad. You're a good dad. We got Father, Father's Day coming up, and I just wanted to just hit on this just for a second because I think, guys, we get into our head and we start, we start asking questions like, am I following through? Am I getting this right? Did I lose my temper again? Did I, I, I blew this again? I have to apologize again, and I'm missing the mark, and I'm not hitting it. But guess what? You're a good dad. You stuck around. You're trying. You're providing comfort. You're providing for your kids. You are doing the things that a lot of men don't do. And you're a good dad. And if you're a good dad, he's a better one. He's a perfect father. He knows the provision you need. He knows the comforts you need. He knows the grace that you need. He knows, he knows exactly what you need. And he is the source. Your heavenly father, the God and father, the father of mercies, Paul is saying, it's not your spouse, that's not the source, it's not your friends, that's not your source, it's not your counselor, although they, they do a pretty good job, amen? It's not your kids, it's not your boss, it's not your dreams, it's your father. He is the source of your comfort today. If you're not able to have comfort in affliction, it's because you've forgotten the source is your father who loves you, who knows you. Listen, Paul knew the source. He, he did not start off by saying the father of mercy, the God, the, the God of our father. He, uh, he knew where his help came from. Actually, I pulled up a, a Psalm 121, 1 and 2. David in the Old Testament, he knew where his help came from. He says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the, the Lord who made heaven and earth. Jesus knew where his help came from. How many, how many uh, people are reading through the book of Matthew right now? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> we started a thing at our church where all of our volunteers are reading the Bible together. And we started by reading through the book of Matthew. And I can tell you, because I see the metric, that we're already at like 130 people reading the Bible together in the book of Matthew. That's amazing. And so, 
In the book of Matthew, something that jumped out at me this week was that in Matthew 14, when Jesus finds out about the death of his cousin, John the Baptist, it struck me what he does immediately. If you look at the verse, immediately he goes to be by himself. You just lost your cousin. John the Baptist is dead. We know from when the scripture, when Jesus lost his friend Lazarus, he wept. He felt affliction. He felt grief. The Bible says that he wept with those who lost. He's not without affliction. But when he hears the news of John the Baptist being beheaded, he goes off to be with himself, to be with his father. To be comforted. Because he knew his source. As a matter of fact, anywhere in the, in the New Testament where you read about Jesus being afflicted or distressed or troubled, he oftentimes re- retreats to be by himself, to be with his father, because he knows the source. Amen? He knows the source. And it's so interesting the way Matthew 14 plays out, because directly after he goes to the source, he feeds the 5,000. You guys see how that worked? And after he's depleted from feeding the 5,000, guess what he does again the second time in the same chapter? He goes to be with his father. He retreats again. He knows the source. Paul knew the source. David knew the source. I'm wondering today if you can just remember that you have a good father who loves you, who's taking care of you, who knows what you need, who is the source of all of your comfort. And if you're going through affliction today without comfort, your first step is to remember the source, that this is a father, this is a father thing. The second thing that you have to do is you have to take advantage of that comfort. How many believe that there's a difference between knowing the source and taking advantage of the source? Amen? I want to give a quick word of wisdom to all my 20-year-olds in the room this morning. Don't skip the dentist. Just don't. I don't know what happened to me over the course of my 20s. I think that I felt like I like hacked dentistry. I'm just not going to go. It's that simple. My teeth are strong. I brush them every day. This just is, it's a simple solution. Just don't go to the dentist. If you're in your 20s and you think that's a good plan, it's not. It's not a good plan. Because in my 30s, and you might think I'm crazy, but I actually went like almost 10 years without going to the dentist. And I paid the price for it. That's what I'm getting to. I went to the dentist uh, somewhere around 29, 30 years old, and he just said, Adam, you got a mouthful of cavities. When's the last time you were at a dentist? And I said, I can't even remember. <laughs> and he's like, you got X amount on the bottom teeth, X amount on the top teeth, and actually the one right there in the bottom middle, that's, that might be a problem. That's a deep cavity. And so long story short, I ended up having to have a root canal. Someone say Affliction. I'm not just telling you about my dent, my teeth. And what's interesting about the root canal is it just it costs a lot of money. And so that's really the painful part. But 
What a dentist does is he says, I, I'm going to numb your mouth. You're going to be about 45 minutes in the chair. And if you still feel something, I'll just, I'll just give you the Novocaine again. And I'll do it again. And just trying to make it as comfortable as possible. And you know what would even be a worse plan than not going to the dentist for 10 years? Telling that dentist, you know what? I brought my stress ball. I got this. I just got to keep this stress ball in my pocket. And if that thing starts hurting, I'll just start squeezing it. I don't need your comfort. Someone said, that's a bad plan. There's a difference between knowing about the comfort and taking advantage of the comfort. Lord, I, I hope you know me. I said, hit me five times in the same spot. I don't want to even know my name when you're done. I'm taking advantage of the comfort that's available. So there's a difference between knowing about the Heavenly Father, knowing about His comfort, and, and then taking advantage of that comfort. And going through affliction without going to your father is like going to the dentist without asking for Novocaine. It's not a good plan. It's not a good plan. You've got to take advantage of that. We do this all of the time through affliction. We forget the source and we rely on our own devices for comfort. You mind if I camp here for a minute? We are professionals at manufacturing our own comfort. And remember what I said at the beginning, that God owns the monopoly on all comfort, meaning that anything else is counterfeit. It's temporary. It's a, it's a quick fix. And, and we're experts at coming up with our own devices. I got the stress ball. I don't need any of your help. I can do this by myself. Can anybody relate to that? But we do this all the time. Affliction comes on. Pain comes on. Grief comes on. Legitimate pain. And we think, I don't need, I don't need anybody's comfort. I don't need anybody's help. I'm going to do this on my own. And we trust in our own ability to manufacture a comfortable life. Counterfeit comforts. And I want to say that, that there's momentary comfort and everlasting comfort. Momentary comfort and everlasting comfort. There is a legitimate effort applied to living a comfortable life. Can I get an amen? We try to make the work comfortable. We try to make the relationships comfortable. We try to make the home life comfortable. And there's a lot of attention and care that we are, are putting forth to make things comfortable. We're professionals at it. We, we, we use pleasures of this world to comfort us. We use achievements, uh, the achievements of this world to comfort us. Come on, we even call food comfort food. We use food to comfort us. We use experiences to comfort us. There is, there is a generation out there that legitimately does not know the comfort of God and is trying to find it in anything that they possibly can. Identity, 
drugs, alcohol. I won't even ask you how long you spent on TikTok yesterday. Momentary comfort as opposed to eternal comfort. See, Paul is weaving, he's weaving it together that you're not able to do this on your own. You have to ask the God of all comfort to comfort you. You have to take advantage of the help that he's provided. Amen? You have to take advantage of that. We're pros at trying to do it in our own strength. The third thing is that you have to have an overflow. The whole purpose of this conversation today is that you would understand your, the source of your comfort, you would understand to take advantage of your comfort, and you would understand that when you do that, your cup will be full to over, overflowing. And that back in the verse that we read at the beginning, Paul is saying, listen, we were afflicted and then comforted. And actually, when we were comforted in our affliction, we realized that that comfort was for you also. And it was that you would be comforted in our affliction. And that as you were comforted, you would, you would experience that same comfort that we did. And, and Paul is taking it to a whole nother level. That if he, if he knew, uh, knew the source, took advantage of it, he, he could connect the dots and anticipate Ooh, this affliction is so that I would be comforted. And as I'm comforted, it's for others. It's for everyone around me. It's not just for me. Amen. He said, if, if we are afflicted, it's, it's leading to your salvation. I think he actually puts it like this. Verse six. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Overflow. Overflow. You know, I guess the real challenge of, of this message is that if you're in affliction today and you've forgotten the, the source and you find yourself not comforted, man, how in the world would that ever mean anything positive for anybody else? How could that ever mean salvation? And the truth of the matter is, is that if you don't have the God of comfort comforting you, it's, it's impossible to get there. And so I want to challenge you this morning. I want, I want to encourage you that when you allow the God of comfort to comfort you, he is able to fill you to overflowing and all of a sudden, you realize, oh, that may have hurt. That may have made no sense why I had to walk through that. That may have, that may have been, that may have almost took me out. But he, he was comforting me in the middle of that. And I realized that the more I was afflicted, the more he comforted me. And I... I found health and I found healing and I found just, I found him in the middle of it and he 
filled my cup to overflowing. And I, I did walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I, I didn't fear any evil. He was with me. He prepared a meal for me in the presence of my enemies. And I was able to walk through that thing, be comforted. And I didn't realize it. But somebody else was watching all that. Somebody else saw all that happen. And all of a sudden, my affliction became their comfort. They saw that the God of all comfort comforts us in our affliction. And you might not, you might not re- see how it could amount to anything right now, this affliction, this pain that you're walking through. But God has the unique ability to weave a third string into the equation. Salvation. And as, the, as, as you're going through affliction and he's weaving in comfort, he's also able to do this weird thing with a third cord and weave in salvation. And out of affliction could come salvation for you and for everyone around you. Amen? Come on, doesn't the Bible talk about how... how a cord of three strands isn't easily broken. He, he wants to weave that third thing into your life. And if you're not willing and able to go get comfort, salvation won't come. And I, I want to I I say that God is eager to bring salvation. This is why the Bible talks about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's, it's oftentimes in the most affliction that God provides the most salvation and that he's able to, in an area of our life where we thought we would never receive comfort, ever, that thing is dead, buried, gone, forgotten. And God is an expert on putting comfort into that spot, bringing it back to life, and then weaving in salvation. I hope I'm not talking to ethereal, but there, there are parts of your life that God is eager and willing to weave in salvation if you would just seek his comfort. Seek his comfort, and you would be surprised on the salvation that he's able to, to weave through it. And it may be for more than just you. It may be for your kids. The salvation that you allow him to weave through your life may be for your kids. The comfort that you go to the Father for, for you, might be salvation for your kids. It might be 10 years later, it's salvation for your neighbor. It might be in your job, it's salvation for your coworker. But he is eager to weave that thing in and he's got a purpose for everything you walk through. Amen? The entire message is that it's not just enough comfort to fill the cup. Halfway, three quarters of the way, all the way. It's enough comfort so that it spills over. Everybody's getting comfort. Because mom got comfort, everybody's getting comfort. Because dad got comfort, everybody's getting comfort. Are you tracking with me? Because you sought your heavenly father, everybody is getting comforted. Man, he's a master at making that, that braid 
affliction, comfort, salvation. Paul had, had gotten to the place in his life where he could anticipate, anticipate hardship and just kind of get his hands together like this. <laughs> oh, here's another thing the enemy meant to, to cause evil in my life, but I've been at this for so long. I've been on so many afflictions and shipwrecks and beatings. And you know what? I know this is going to happen out of this is that God is going to comfort me and he's going to save everybody around me. Because what the enemy meant for evil, he turned it into salvation. Amen. He could anticipate that in his life. It is a game changer. Man, it freaks me out when people are able to do this. It's just sometimes annoying. When they're walking through tremendous difficulty and they've got they don't have a chip on their shoulder. They don't have a bone to pick with anybody. They're not holding on to any kind of grudges. They are completely, they let everything go. They are light on their feet. They are forgiven and free. And, and they know, they've anticipated time and time again. This is like, this is like, these people freak me out. Right? But they get it. They just know that, man, out of this, this isn't even about me. Man, I'm just, I'm itching to see the comfort that comes from this. I'm itching to see who God saves through this. I am just excited about this affliction. <laughs> some of you might think that person needs some medication. But really what they've done is they, they've hacked the goodness of God. You know, there is a, a pretty important story in the Bible about somebody's affliction becoming somebody else's salvation. That's a pretty big story. That's one of the primary... It, <laughs> I don't think salvation comes any other way. And in the, in the areas of our lives where we're trying to pray away the most affliction, God... Change my life, change these circumstances, change this pain, take this from me. We're praying away, we don't know it, but we're praying away his salvation. And he's trying to instruct us to just sit still, be, be with your heavenly father, be, receive comfort, and watch how this, watch how this works. Man, I meant to say this, it was in my notes, but the church ought to be a place where people can find dads. church ought to be a place where they can find a heavenly father. And the church ought to be a place where, they, where people can find comfort. Man, we should be a people who are taking so much advantage of the comfort of God that when people walk in here, they go, holy smokes, how do I get myself some of that? I, I, I don't know. I, I can tell you one thing. I don't know why I came here, but I came to the right place because I, I feel comfor comfortable when I walk in this room. Man, that church ought to be a place where that's happening. Where the people in this room should be experiencing everlasting comfort. And so that's the last thing I want to say today is that if you're going to choose a comfort, choose everlasting comfort. Don't choose momentary comfort. Jesus went to the cross with everlasting comfort. Jesus went to the cross full and overflowing 
with everlasting comfort. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, it says this. The band can come up. Saying, Father, man, there's that, there's that Father word again. If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know someone who's really comforted knows how to pray that way. If you get to the place in your life, you guys can keep the verse up. If you get to the place in your life where you're able to pray, your will be done, not mine. That is a great indication that you're receiving everlasting comfort. Because here's Jesus who's been betrayed, abandoned, arrested, beaten, you know, crucified. And he's in the garden beforehand and he's saying, Lord, take this from me. I'm afflicted right now. I'm not a stranger to affliction. And I, and I pray that you take this from me, but not my will, yours be done. This is the prayer of a comforted person. This is the prayer of a comforted soul. That's where I was going today. Comfort for your soul. And when you can be in the garden of the most difficult season of your life and pray to him, not my will be done, but yours. That is an indication, my friend, that you have the comfort of God, the everlasting comfort that surpasses all understanding. It is the peace of the God of comfort. And that kind of comfort allows you to pray for his will. I love verse 43. This is the verse. <laughs> I, pray for, I pray this verse for everybody in the room today. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Man, is anybody in need of strength today? My prayer is that you would know the Heavenly Father. You would take advantage of His comfort. You would pray His will in your life. And that He would send His angels to strengthen you. I don't know exactly who this is for. I don't get that information. But I do know that if you pray this way, he who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine will come to you. And I don't care if he's got to send an angel. If he visits you personally, he's going to strengthen you and fill your cup to overflowing today. Amen. Amen. And this doesn't happen overnight. And I don't think comfort is a one-time prayer. But I do know this. The comfort of God took the Savior of the world to the salvation of mankind.
the comfort of God motivated the Savior of the world to save all mankind. It was the comfort of God. Jesus knew the source. He took advantage of it. And he became the overflow for all of us. Amen. He became the overflow for all of us. Paul became the overflow for the Corinthians. I want to know this morning, you guys can stand to your feet. We're getting ready to close. But as we take these next couple of minutes, I want you, I want to ask the question, will you be the overflow for somebody else? Can you allow the God of comfort to strengthen you in such a way that your affliction becomes somebody else's salvation? And just like Paul, just like David, just like Jesus, you know where your help comes from. You know that it comes from the Father of heaven and earth. Come on, let's go to him right now. Jesus, comfort us. Be with us. I pray, God, that as we go through things, you would give us comfort that just surpasses understanding, that people will be saved because of your power. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that out of this affliction, salvation is coming. Salvation is coming. We thank you for it. We praise your name. We say together, amen and amen. Would you give him...